Good morning. How's everyone doing? There we go. I love it. It is such an honor to open God's word with you. My name is Luke, one of the pastors here, and we are just going to dive into our series, Hebrews, where we are looking at a perfect Savior, Jesus Christ, and we get to celebrate him. We get to fix our eyes on him this morning. So you guys ready to open the word of God? All right, there we go. All right, so stand up. Go to the book of Colossians chapter 1. Now, no, that's not Hebrews. I know, I know. But we just in this moment, we want to fix our eyes. So go ahead and stand on up. Go to the book of Colossians chapter 1. And I want us in this moment as we begin to open God's word and as we allow him to speak to our hearts, transform our minds, just to let your imagination just picture who Jesus is. And in these moments, maybe this is a time for us to pray God's word and there may be a description of who Jesus is in this passage and that that just stirs your heart and let us worship a holy God, our Savior Jesus Christ, as we open his word. Colossians chapter 1, starting in verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace through the blood of the cross. And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. In order to present you holy, blameless, and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you had heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. This is the word of the Lord. You can be seated. So I've been kind of in this... uh, just kind of moment in my life as I've just been watching my boys grow up and just kind of seeing, seeing them just take on a life of their own. And one of the things that has fascinated me recently, now this seems, this totally seems silly, but I don't know why, but that's just how my mind works. I've been fascinated by them because they drink a ton of water at my house. And we had to get a new water filter for our fridge, and they're constantly uh, drinking water. I mean, that thing is always empty. They're just going through it, just nonstop drinking all the water. They're running hard. They're playing hard. And it just kind of let my mind just kind of begin to wander. Like, how do we have clean water? You know, we've got these water plants all over. We've got water towers. Like, just like, you know, one of those moments in your life where you're just like, huh, I wonder how that all gets here. Because I remember some friends of mine, uh, we would travel to Uganda to do some uh, work with a ministry there uh, for many years, my wife and I. And 
I remember watching boys similar in age to mine walk down a steep hill to a river with something similar like this, a jerry can. It's actually bigger. It's a five-gallon one that they would typically carry. And they would just sit in the water in the river, and they would scoop out the water, and they would carry it up. And that was their water for the day or for that moment. They may have to make multiple trips down the river, uh, down to the river at this school. And as I've just kind of been thinking about my boys, watching them, there is this moment where just kind of God just kind of caught me off guard. How often do we take for granted the things that God has provided for us? Clean water, the things that we don't even think about, that we just trust is going to be there. My boys, they'll run through the house, they're wrestling, they're knocking each other over, and they open the fridge and they expect good, clean water to be there. And it just shows up. And it's just there. But what they're not understanding is the process by which that clean water gets there. Not only does it go from a water source through a water plant to get cleaned through the tap, and then from the tap it goes through another filtration process into our fridge, and the little dudes get good, clean water. And they take it for granted. They don't even know. They don't even know to even think about it, but they assume that they will be taken care of and the needs that they have will be provided for. And what we see in the book of Hebrews is that God does something very similar for us So if you have your Bibles, go to Hebrews chapter 2. We're going to pick up in verse 10 where we left off last week after Pastor Jim led us so well through the word to recognize the work of Jesus, to see who he is, to be in awe and in wonder of Jesus and to worship him accordingly. And that's why we've gathered here is to worship him accordingly, allow his word to transform us, to shape us, to mold us into who he's called us and made us to be. So I want to pray for us and then we're going to dive into the word together. Lord Jesus, we come and we worship you this morning. I'm just so grateful that we get to gather in a place together to sit and to worship you, to recognize who you are, God, what you've done in our lives and how you are at work. So Jesus, would you have your way? Holy Spirit, fill this place. Fill our hearts and our minds. God, would you do a work that only you can do by your word that is living and active? Would you change us? Would you transform us by the renewing of our minds? We are not our own, but we are yours, Jesus. We have always been, and may we recognize that we will always be yours. And we worship you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. So in Hebrews chapter 2, we're picking up uh, with the passage, chapter 2, verse 10, if you're there. And you have your notes. Those are there for you just to write down. If God stirs something in your heart and your mind, if there's a question that you have that you want to follow up with somebody later, your small group, or even if you have a question, we'd love for you to walk across the hall if you're here on campus to one of our uh, guest services places and just say, hey, help me understand this or stop by the prayer room later. We would love to help you continue to grow in your understanding of who Jesus is and because of that, who you are. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 10. Let us begin to read God's word. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist in the beginning, uh, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name and to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given to me. 
So we're going to pause right there, and I want us to go back to verse 10. What we're going to do this morning, I'm just going to kind of call out a couple things that we see in the Scripture, some understanding and some big ideas. And I think God just has a challenge for us this morning to uh, ask a question of us. What is the source and what is the life and the process that God would have for us this morning? So we see in this passage, it says, For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist. What we see in this passage is that the he, he that the passage is talking about is God the Father. If you remember back to our series about God, we look that God exists as three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Though they are distinct in person, they are one God. There are not three gods that we worship, but it is one God in three persons. This is a mystery that if I could explain and write a book about, it would, that would be awesome. But it is a mystery that only God can fully understand. And because of that, we would worship him in light of that. So it's talking about God the Father. He is the one who by him and all things have been created. And he does that through Jesus Christ we saw in Colossians 1. And the, here is this big idea. What is the work of God that is fitting in this moment? That God, through Jesus, would bring many sons and daughters, is that idea, this plural, y'all, as a good Texan would say, would bring y'all, peoples, all y'alls, right, to glory. This, as it should be, as it was intended to be. That he should make Jesus, now we're changing our subject here, changing, should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. So God the Father, his purpose is to see God's people redeemed to bring many sons and many daughters to glory, to bring them to how they were intended to be. And it is through Jesus, the founder of their salvation. And it, this word perfect here is not like best, like that's perfect. But it's this idea of completion, wholeness, as again, as it should be. So Jesus, the founder of their salvation, should bring it to completion through the suffering, through suffering. So what I want us to understand in this moment is that this idea that the work of God, what he is here to do, is to bring people to redemption. The fitting work of God is the redemption of his people. And that's an interesting phrase when you think about in that word fitting. We often think that word fitting is proper. It is, uh, this is how it should be. It is fitting when a bride walks down the aisle on her wedding day, it is fitting for the people to stand in honor of her. It is proper for us, if we are on a bus or a subway, imagine yourself there for a moment. If there's an elderly person or, um, you know, a mom who's holding a child, it is fitting for us to get up out of our seats and to give them that seat. It is fitting young men in the room to hold the door open for ladies as they walk in. Can I get an amen? All right, y'all. Young men, you heard. You heard. All right. It is fitting because of who the people are that you are there to serve. It is fitting for us to change something about us in our understanding of this. But what I want us to understand in this passage, that the fitting work of God is redeeming his people. It is not about us, though. It's not because we have something to bring to the table that God would show up and say, Man, I better save them fools because they are awesome. That's my Texan in me. I apologize. He doesn't. That's not how it works. It's not fitting for God to save us because we bring something to the table. It is fitting for God to redeem his people because of who he is. This is the nature of God that from the beginning of the story, from Genesis to Revelation, God is writing a story of the redemption of God's people for the glory of God alone. 
Again, not because of anything we bring to the table. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2, would love for you to write that note down, that verse for you to go look later. Ephesians 2, 9 and 10. It talks about the work of God in redeeming us, that we were once lost in our transgressions. We were aliens. We were set apart from God. But verse 4 says, in his mercy, he redeems us. He changes us. And it goes down into verse 9 and 10. It's not so that anyone could boast in themselves. For we are God's workmanship. We are the proof the evidence of who God is and what he has been doing throughout history is the redemption of his people. This is the fitting work of God, that he would redeem us. Now, what I love to you, so, how, so then the question is, how does God redeem us? How does God change us? The verse tells us back there, if you want to put that back on the screen, Hebrews 2.10, it'll show us again. For it was fitting that he for whom and by whom all things exist and bringing many sons to glory should make the founder. I want to key, like kind of double click on this word for us and ask the question. What does that word founder mean for us? It is this Greek word. And if you would like to try to pronounce it, you can go for it. Because uh, I don't have it fully down. But here it is on the screen coming from Greek. Archagos. And translated in the ESV, it's founder. Translated in King James, it's captain. And some other, uh, other translations as well. It's this idea of the leader. The one who goes first. And comes from the word arche, the beginning, the first one. To go or to lead is another way to understand those two words coming together in this passage. That Jesus would be the founder. And maybe one way to think about it is that Jesus is the pioneer. He is the first one to take the first step of action in order to see us changed, to see a new way for us. And that's an understanding we kind of have here in America, right, is the idea of the pioneer that we would move west and there would be some people who would go first in order to explore something new. These were the trailblazers, if you will. Jesus Christ is the founder. He is the pioneer. He is the trailblazer of salvation so that you and I could understand the fitting work of God to be redeemed, to be restored, to be made new. This is the work that God has for us, that Jesus is the pioneer of our redemption. And I just, I love that, that, that picture in my mind when I think about it. We see that again in the passage we read at the beginning of the service in Colossians 1, that he might be the firstborn from the dead. That he might be the firstborn, that he might be preeminent, that he would be first. The book of Hebrews is all about this idea, the superiority, the, the grandeur, the greatness of who Jesus is. Because all things in history point to Jesus as the founder and the pioneer of our faith. And in fact, that word's only used a few times in the New Testament. One of those in a verse that we're trying to memorize as a church when we started this series. I'd love for you to turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 real quick. Because it is a good reminder for us of who Jesus is. This is something worth committing to our hearts and our minds as an encouragement. And that's what scripture memory does for us, folks, if you want to understand why, why would we memorize scripture? I've got Google. I can search these things. There's something different when you commit it to your mind and allow it dwell deep in your heart. It changes you. It shapes you. It forms you. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 and 2 would love for you to read along with me. 
Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I'm going to pause right there for a moment. Let us run with, let us run the race that is set before us. Who set that, that, that race for us? Who marked out the path? Who went before us to say, this is the way that you should go? It is Jesus. It is Jesus Christ. And we see, looking to Jesus, there we go, the founder and perfecter of our faith. There's that word again. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the founder, the pioneer, the first one who's marked the path out for us, a new way to live, a new way to be as his people. And we get to follow him. That's what it means when you see those shirts that say transform follower. You hear us say, hi, I'm Luke. I'm a transform follower. It is this declaration that I've been changed and I'm walking the course. I'm walking the race that Jesus has set before me. That's what that means for us. So back to our passage in Hebrews 12, picking up in verse 11. So there's a lot that's going on in these few verses. uh, But we're going to kind of move forward to this big idea for us. Verse 11. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. That is why he's not ashamed to call them brothers, saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise, and again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children of children God has given to me. I want you to notice, and if you want to, you can underline in your Bible, notice that family language. Notice that children of God, my brothers, Congregation, even that is this familial, this brought togetherness. I want you to hold on to that idea for a minute. We're going to talk about that again just a little bit further in the, the service. But I want to dial into this word for he who sanctifies in verse 11. And those who are sanctified all have one source. What does that word sanctify mean? What does that have anything to do with us? Because it's not a word that we typically use today in our culture. We can walk around and and say things like, well, here's the sanctification process of fill in the blank. Or, you know what, I just really want to be sanctified this morning. Those are are words that we don't typically use, but they are biblical words. They're biblical ideas that are so important to the idea of the scriptures. And so... I was just trying to, God, how can I illustrate this? What does that look like? And then it reminded me of what I've been thinking about. Water. And those little boys that God has given me. Who take for granted the clean water that's in their fridge. A process, a long process, to get clean water to their tap and into the fridge for them to drink. So last night I came up here and I got some awesome water out of the pond down, down there. Anybody thirsty? Well, I was thinking to be a middle school guy, but not you. Uh, But if you're thirsty, come on up, man. I'll get you a drink of our lovely pond water. We even did some baptisms in there, and I think that's the last baptism we'll ever do in there because that pond is disgusting. (laughs) And it was one of those things you, like, hop in the pond, and then later you, you think about it, you're like, ooh, the amount of salt runoff after the winter that goes into that pond, gross. You think about the oil that's on the asphalt, and it runs into that pond, that's gross, like really gross, and there's geese and all sorts, of just gross, mm. like it's messed up, 
But too often in our lives, we look around and we think, you know what? That's kind of how the world feels, right? It feels gross. The world feels a little yucky. That if I drink this, ooh, that is not going to be good for me later on in the week. It could bring things that could hurt. And this is what we find in ourselves and we find in the world around us. Brokenness. Hard to see things clearly as they should be. Lostness. Brokenness. Hurts. Sadness. Pain. Cancer. Physical death. Loss of loved ones. And this is, in my mind, this is a very good picture of what we experience every day. And sometimes we try to fix it. We're like, okay, okay, today is a new day. I've got to wake up and I've got to, I've got to figure out how to fix the brokenness, the, the messiness, the, the, the murkiness that's in my life. And you know what? I just, I just need to do better. I need to be better. I need to act better. And we began this process of self-help. We began this process of trying to figure it out on our own. And so I just have a question for you. If I were just to hook up this hose from one source and put it to the next source, is anything going to change about the water source? Nothing's going to change. It's just moving the mess from one vessel to the next vessel. It's moving it from one situation to another situation. And then we hope that it's better. Maybe it, maybe it didn't, maybe not all the junk transfer, but it's still the same water. It has not walked through a process of sanctification. You can write on your notes, if you want to put sanctification, equals purification. A process of making something pure. Sanctification equals purification. Purifying. That is what the work of God is through Jesus Christ to redeem his people, to sanctify them, to purify them, to remove the brokenness and the mess of their lives. How is that going to happen? It's not by just being better, acting better, looking better, surrounding yourselves by better people, whatever that looks like, because we know something about us. We've all fallen and fall so short of the glory of God, Romans tells us. We know that the brokenness in our world is because we are still broken. That there is sin in us. And sin breaks our relationship with God. Sin breaks our relationship with one another. Sin breaks our relationship even with ourselves and the world around us. So there has to be something that steps into the story in order to change things. Something, a process to filter out the mess. Something to filter out a process of purification, a process of sanctification. Something that steps in between us and the brokenness. This, my friends, is the work of God through Jesus Christ. A process by which you and I are made clean, a process by which you and I are made whole, a process by which you and I can find hope and life and forgiveness and restoration that the impurities of ourselves and the world around us can be redeemed and restored. Verse 11 shows us that for he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified 
all have one source. That one source is God. We are created in the image of God. That the scriptures highlight in Hebrews that we're talking about this distinction between Jesus and angels. That angels were created by God, but they, they do not have the same special place that you and I have in the, the created order. That the angels long to look into what this thing called salvation is, the process of sanctification. They long to see it because it is a mystery. It's something that doesn't make any sense. It is a grace of God because of who he is, not because of who we are. And goes on to say, they, that is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. And we see right here, if you have a hard copy Bible, there's this new, new piece that's standing out there. I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will sing your praise. I will put my trust in him. These are callbacks to the psalm that Pastor Jim walked us through last week. If you'd love to dive into it, uh, go and listen to that message. But he's calling back again to these same psalms and that this has been a part of the story of the people of God for a long time. That Jesus would step in and he says that he is not ashamed to call you and I brothers and sisters. He's not ashamed to call you and I sons and daughters that God the Father welcomes us in that family language. And we hear these, these echoes from centuries and centuries ago saying this has been a part of the plan all along. To redeem his people. And that, is, is that just some encouragement for us this morning? That wherever you find yourself, whatever brokenness you've walked through, whatever hurt, whatever hang-ups, whatever things you have found yourselves in life going... I just feel like there's impurity, there's brokenness in me. God has been actively for centuries writing the story of redemption for us. And it goes on in verse 14. It says, then since, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook the same things that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil. What I want us to understand as we move forward in this passage is the unbelievable reality, the unbelievable truth that God Almighty, he would step down into my story and to your story. He would step into the mess. I mean, like, that's gross. In the same way Jesus stepped into our story. He stepped into our mess and our brokenness. It says, with, this is emphatic words. It's the idea of taking into yourself that he partook, in verse 14, the same things. The same things that you and I face. The same loss of loved ones. The same dealing with disease and brokenness. The same temptations of lust and gluttony. And fill in the blank with whatever struggles or ever hardships. He's been tempted with ego and pride and fame and success. He's been tempted as every way possible. He partook. He took it into himself. But here's the exciting news. He didn't fall. He didn't fall into the temptation. He didn't make a mistake. Though he experienced the trial, he came out victorious. You and I, we've experienced the trials, but I know this all too well in my life, and I'm sure many of you do as well. Even in the trials, we still fall short. Even in the trials, we find ourselves still missing the mark for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God's glory of God Roman tells us but Jesus didn't fell he didn't fall short and he did it 
on our behalf. That through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the, that is the devil. In verse 15. And deliver all those, all y'all, who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. For surely it is not the angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. He helps the offspring of Abraham. First, the people of Israel, and then we as Gentiles grafted into the family of God. Not because of who we are so that we can boast, but because of who he is and what he's done through Jesus Christ to redeem us to himself to bring us back into a family, to bring us back into relationship with one another. This is what God has done through Jesus Christ. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers. Again, notice the family language there. In every respect, so that he might become merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered, suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. And that word propitiation, we just need to clearly understand that that means that there is a just God who does not love sin. And our souls cry for justice. That is something because we are made in the image of God. We know that one day there will be justice for all the sins and all the brokenness. And all of that wrath was poured out on Jesus Christ on the cross. All of that wrath, all that punishment for the sins, for the brokenness, for the wickedness that our world has experienced for centuries and centuries was poured out on Jesus so that you and I and wouldn't have to experience it. We wouldn't have to experience the death that we deserve because of our sin, eternal separation from God. But by grace, through faith, we get to step into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, similar to this process. Instead of enduring the mess, instead of enduring the wrath that would come, Jesus stood in the way for us so that on the other side, we didn't have to experience the brokenness. So on the other side, we don't have to experience the eternal separation that comes from being in our sin. We are free. We are free, church. We are free, brothers and sisters. We are free. And because Jesus stood in the way for us, this is exactly why the family language is so important, that Jesus is our big brother. Like a good big brother would go before on the path and then wave to the other brothers and sisters, come this way, come this way. I love walking around like Hudsonville Nature Center or, you know, just anywhere there's like creeks and things you can climb over. I love taking my kids and I love even watching my oldest daughter with our little boys. She's like, come this way, guys, come this way. Because she's a good big sister. She walks a step first, makes sure it's good, and she says, come on, guys, come on, come this way. That's exactly what Jesus does for us. Jesus is your brother. He is here, this family language, in order to stand in the way so that the punishment, the hardships, the brokenness that would come from our sin, Jesus stands in the way and says, I'm going to take it and I'm going to provide a new way for us. Because Jesus stood in your place for your sins against God. It's similar, I love watching my boys whenever one of them gets in trouble. The other one usually comes to the rescue. I'm like, what are you doing? You are not in trouble. Go away. But no, no, I want to make him feel better. I'm like, he don't need to feel better. He is in trouble. Go away. <laughs> but that's what Jesus does for us. He stands in the way of the punishment. He stands in the way 
and says, no, I'll take it. They don't need to take it. Can we just pause for a moment and give God glory and give him worship and honor that he stood in the way so that your sin is not held against you for eternity? That you walk as free men and women. You walk in the freedom for eternity, a new creation. He stood in your place. How does he stand in your place? Because he defeated death. Jesus defeated death on the cross. He took it all so you didn't have to. That's why the cross is so significant for us. It's there that our sins were laid. But here's what we know. That Jesus, in the passage, becomes not only the high priest who stands in the way and helps mediate our relationship with God, but he becomes the sacrifice on that cross. But what we know about the story is that Jesus' death was not final. Jesus went to to the tomb, and he walked right on out. He walked right on out, and it reminds me of a song from Drew Holcomb and the Neighbors, and it says this, it says, everyone's got their own set of troubles, everyone's got their own set of blues, everyone's got their own set of struggles. Walk a mile in another man's shoes. And that's exactly what our big brother Jesus did. He knows our struggles, he knows our hurts, he knows where we've been because he's walked in our shoes and he kept walking right out of the grave so that you and I are free. That you and I have salvation from now and forever. And this is the thing, this is the anthem of our song, this is the thing that we get to celebrate because here's what we know. As a family of God, the work isn't done. There are so many other lost brothers and sisters that because of our big brother Jesus, he invites us into the work. He invites us to be a part of the reconciliation, the redemption of his people. That there would be, as we look to Jesus, the author, the founder, the pioneer of our faith, there would be a long flow of the family of God. Lost, broken, hurt people finding hope, finding life in Jesus Christ through you, church. In your workplace, students in your school, elementary students in all of your classes. And we know this because Jesus stands to help us. He has walked in our shoes and he is there with us. And so church, knowing that this is who Jesus is, the perfect Savior, I... I have this conviction, this, this, this thought in my heart, in my mind that I've been wrestling with with us is how many of us are continuing to come and we're still just drinking from the mess. We're just drinking from the mess that is around us. What are the things in your life that you keep coming back to that God is trying to say, I've done a better work. I have provided a system of purification. I have provided a new way for you. And maybe so many of us in this room, and I hope this isn't the case, but we are still like the boys in Uganda that would run down that hill, scoop up the water in a filthy river, and we wouldn't find life there. In fact, I remember the story of one of the boys at the school that we would work at. He went down, um, got down, got too low, and the water was moving too fast. And he lost his life. 
because he's doing the best he could to get something from a source that was not good enough for him. A boy that didn't deserve that. And I think too many times we do that. We continue to go to a source that's not life-giving. A source that leaves us wanting. A source that ultimately runs dry. So what is it this morning, church? A little family talk for a moment, brothers and sisters, those of you who know and follow Jesus, who claim him as your savior, as uh, you're part of the family, that Jesus is your big brother. What are, you, what, are you, what are you going to? And today is a moment where you get to lay it down as a response to who God is and what he has done. You get to walk in freedom. You get to walk in freedom where you get to come and say, Jesus has done a work in me. Jesus has done a work to change and transform my life. And that means there is something better. There is something fresher. Fresher, is that a word? I don't know. Again, I'm from Texas. You can just pause, whatever that is. There's something that is better for us to drink from. There is life-giving water found in Jesus Christ that is refreshing for us. And for us as a church, we get to go offer a glass of refreshing, life-giving water to help find the lost and the hurting brothers and sisters who don't know that they are lost. We have been sanctified. We have been purified through Jesus' death his blood shed on a cross, and his resurrection. May we live like it. God, we come before you today, and we say thank you for your grace. We worship you for who you are, for what you've done, knowing, God, that you are not done with us, that the process of sanctification is every day of every situation, of every moment, being conformed into your image, being changed and transformed into who you've called us to be, God. And so I ask right now for my brothers and sisters in the room, Jesus, that you would empower them. If they know you and they claim to be your children, God, would they be empowered to walk in the sanctity that they have, in the wholeness to walk holy as you are holy, Lord Jesus, because you have made a way. And we thank you for that because we don't deserve it. And so, God, I also pray in this room, if there is anyone who does not know what it means to be saved, to be purified, to be made new, Lord Jesus, I pray right now, God, you would do a work that only you can do, and that is to save, to redeem and to restore, to call the lost back to you. And may God, may we... We just take joy and honor. We get to be a part of the family celebration that is welcoming the lost home. Jesus, be glorified. Change us. Thank you for your goodness, your faithfulness, your nearness. You are worthy, God, and we worship you and respond to you because of who you are. And we praise in Jesus' name. Amen.